human well-being, animal well-being, environmental well-being, tradition, culture, spirituality, equality, community. Which of these is most important? Or maybe they're all equally as important, equally as worthy of protecting and fighting on behalf of. What actually causes problems in the world? Corrupt power structures and politics. Greed and consumerism, is it capitalism or maybe it's communism? Bigotry, sexism, poor food, bad diets, destructive agriculture. Maybe a lack of faith or too much faith. Maybe too much technology or a lack thereof. Advertising or the media unjust law enforcement or broken education systems. Or maybe, in ways, all of these are problematic. So if somehow you could answer these questions with at least a level of confidence, how then do we address the issues causing problems to what's most important? And if everything is important and so many issues are causing problems, what can I do that has no trade-offs and solves all the problems? Welcome to the Impactivism Podcast, where we explore how each of us, as individuals, can get better at doing good. I'm your host, Logan Sullivan, and this is episode number 11. There seems to be nearly as many versions of answers to these questions as there are people to be asked. And often these versions center around, you know, what we know best, right? If you know food and agriculture, then bad food, bad agriculture is a problem and good food and good agriculture is a solution. If we're in tech, therein we see the problems and we see potential solutions. And the religious and the atheists alike, they each have their perceptions of problems and solutions. But when we broaden our perspective a bit and try to look at our issues from opposing vantage points, right? Trying to build for ourselves a more kaleidoscopic and inclusive paradigm. Then the landscape, it becomes more and more complicated. And of course, such complication, I think, generally indicates a move along the spectrum from circumstantial, subjective beliefs somewhere towards epistemic truth, right? The interconnections between issues, they begin to highlight themselves, and we begin to see that 
of course, no one issue is the root of all evil, and no solution can solve all the problems. But even if we understand this conceptually, we don't always reflect this understanding in our actions. And whether or not we believe we can solve all the problems at once via a, a single one-way avenue of change, the least we tend to aspire to aim for is to try not to cause any more problems in the process of trying to solve some of them. So in solving, I guess, the issues of animal welfare, we don't want to add to income inequality. Or in fighting poverty, we don't want to contribute to climate change. In addressing bad agricultural practices, we don't want to encourage bad capitalism. In feeding the hungry, we don't want to create dependency. In fighting for gender equality legislation, we don't want to somehow you know, take away from the momentum of prison reform, right? And so on. So we search tirelessly for the action we can take that lives up to this ideal. And this ideal seems to believe that five units of good in one area is entirely negated by one unit of bad in another. And sometimes that can make a lot of sense, but what about 500 units of good or 5 million units of good? But maybe that's another conversation. And I think more often than not, it seems you know, when plotting our solutions in alignment with this ideal, we're inclined to sit around almost like, you know, we're in these untied running shoes, sitting on a couch, plotting cross-country routes, but growing weak and weary all the while. Our inability to accept anything less than our unreasonable idealism, you know, it, it leaves us inactive, growingly defeated and just tired. So <laughs> this is one of my favorite, well, one of my favorite and I guess in ways least favorite quotes. It's not perfectly fitting, but I think it's fitting enough that I can squeeze it in here and get away with it. So it, it goes like this. In nooks all over the earth sit men, men who are waiting, scarcely knowing in what they are waiting, much less that they are waiting in vain. Occasionally, the call that awakens, that accident that gives them permission to act, comes too late, when the best youth and strength for action has already been used up by sitting still, and many have found to their horror when they leapt up that their limbs had gone to sleep and their spirit had become too heavy. It's too late, they said to themselves, having lost their faith and henceforth rendered themselves forever useless." <laughs> Very intense. This quote gets, I think, more at the tragedy of inaction in general than at the challenge of choosing between alternatives, but that's one part of the problem that I'm, I want to talk about today in this episode. You know, our tendency to sit around, you know, picking at low-hanging excuses not to take action, whether we're doing this consciously or otherwise. And sometimes the excuses root in the fact that I think we... We're looking at for absolutely flawless, objectively right choices, but they just don't exist. Therefore, right, when this doesn't exist or, or when we can't find it, you know, no choice can be made and thus the energy of taking action does not need to be expended. And again, consciously or otherwise, that can be something we're looking for. 
I think the other part of the problem I'll talk about today is, you know, sometimes called the analysis paralysis, which is very real. You know, in a situation where the sheer volume or the sheer quantity of variables that need to be considered before making, you know, an educated enough decision on a particular topic, right? When this magnitude is so great, I think we're sometimes prone to growing overwhelmed by this decision-making process. And sometimes even to the point that we deferred to making no choice at all when the stress of exacting the perfect decision, you know, is untenable, right? Or maybe untenable seems a little bit dramatic, but I think, you know, in this case, we decide not to decide anything at all. You know, when a quick, I guess, subconscious cost-benefit analysis tells us it's just not worth the burden. And this burdensome stress seems to increase based mainly, I think, on two factors. First, on the significance or the, the, the magnitude, the gravity of this decision. And second, on the quantity of alternatives that uh, exist to be chosen between. And I guess, is there any more significant, more substantial decision to be made than that of how the world ought to be improved? Right? And at the same time, the quantity of competing ideas of what, I guess, type of soil nourishes the roots of our biggest problems, it's dizzying to try to grasp and fully understand. I mean, even if, if that's achievable by any one person, you know, if we ever really can comprehend all of the complexities and nuances, you know, that are buried inside of all of this discussion. But analysis paralysis in our decisions of how to do good in the world, that's not exclusively what I'm going to talk about in this episode. I also hope to shine light on our tendency to look at, you know, the, the quality of doing good sometimes is binary, the quality of particular actions, right? An action is either perfect and thus infinitely valuable or anything south of perfection becomes completely valueless, right? But I think that's just a very incorrect and detrimental way to look at our, 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 you know, our ways of doing good and opportunities that we have, actions that we can take. And again, when it comes to our considerations of how to improve the world in the broadest sense, right? We sometimes get stuck here, I think, searching for the perfect solutions that again, just do not exist. And we use this as a justification for sitting still and for often doing nothing, unfortunately. You know, either because our laziness or our apathy you know, seeks this justification, whether that's conscious or otherwise, or because our, I think, you know, stubborn idealism refuses to give the right of way to pragmatism when necessary. And I can say with a lot of experience, <laughs> That stubborn idealism is simply and only self-defeating. There are many problems persisting in the world today. On the global scale, on the national scale, in our communities. Problems affecting humans, and a lot of human-induced problems affecting non-human life on our planet. And I do believe that most of us, whether we communicate this outwardly or not, really do want to be part of improving the state of the world 
in one way or another. You know, we deep down somewhere, this is why we're alive, isn't it? You know, whether we whether we acknowledge that or not, whether we outwardly live that way, that's that's deep down there somewhere. You know, we want to make things better. And depending on our belief systems and the level of critical thought we bring to this idea, the actions we take to improve the world and the causes we invest in they differ greatly. And just like there are many problems and many opinions on how to address them, and every proposed solution has its flaws from certain perspectives. And if we dig deep enough, we can uncover and choose to dwell on imperfections within approaches to improving pretty much anything at all, because you know, any action or decision in life, even the overwhelmingly objectively right choices that we have to make, they come with at least a con or two to accompany their long list of pros. And everything in life comes with a trade-off or a byproduct. And some are much larger than others. And within our own lives, you know, one magical solution will not solve all of our financial and romantic and family and health problems all at once. But a strategic combination of a few solutions, you know, that are within our control might solve a large portion of these problems over time. And much the same, there is no one solution to solve all the world problems all at once. You know, this is just reality. A complicated reality where one catch-all solution, you know, it's not there. And waiting for that perfect, unflawed, one-pill weight loss solution to save humanity, the environment, and all non-human animals all at once, it's just counterproductive to believe that it exists and it can be incredibly self-defeating to sit around and wait for it to appear. But there are isolated solutions to certain priority issues. These do absolutely exist. And we are empowered to contribute to them and to impact, you know, that cause heavily through our actions. These are there. They're out there. They're not mystical. They're not hopeful. They're real. They're just reality. So instead of sitting still paralyzed by an unreasonable wish to save the world, you know, the whole thing with one perfect idea all at once, we should try spending time investigating what we have the power to change most and how we can achieve this effectively in the short term. Then you should act accordingly. <laughs> and if that initiative that you are contributing to or the one that you've created is not perfect, which I assure you it certainly will not be, improve on it continually and guide it towards the direction of perfection, but accept that it will never quite get there. And while experimenting with new ideas and initiatives that evidence and reason lead you to believe will, to, will produce positive outcomes, you know, never stop investigating and learning in the process. You know, search for the better solutions for smarter answers, for wiser action, and adjust your own accordingly, and always share your findings with others. At worst, if rational action did not end up producing the results that careful reasoning led you to expect, you'll gain the insight and experience to better position yourself to impact and achieve more in the future. And maybe you'll even discover that catch-all solution to save the world one day. I'm, I'm alone in a room right now using air quotes, by the way, for save the world, whatever the hell that means. But if you do somehow discover what save the world actually means, you have a definition to provide 
and you can convince me that you have a solution, I'm in. I'm sold 100%, 24 hours a day at your disposal. Let me know. I'm joining your team and let's make this happen. So <laughs> if anybody out there has that solution, send me a message. I'm on my way immediately. You'll first have to maybe spend a little time trying to convince me that that term means anything. Uh, but if you can, I'm in. Awesome. I'm excited. Uh, send me messages. I'm looking forward to it. But in the meantime, take the action that you can. You know, reach out where you can reach. Learn from those experiences and continue investigating because luckily, believe it or not, we're all very capable of acting, learning, and researching all at the same time. So there you go. That was Save the World Paralysis, an idea that I think I'll probably be talking about a lot in the future. So I thought I'd make a pretty, obviously, very brief episode today to just, just throw that idea out there. So don't fall victim. Please, please, please get out there now. Take some action today that you you believe can be effective. And uh, do take a moment to subscribe on iTunes. Leave a review if you get a chance. And a quick thank you to Cello Joe and Hana for the music in this episode. You can find all their details in the show notes at logansullivan.com. And I'll be back with a lot more very soon.